This is Beth Bruno, and you're listening to the Fierce and Lovely Podcast. Welcome back to the Fierce and Lovely Podcast, where each week my daughters and I process topics that moms and teens are asking about. Helping you foster a more connected relationship and maybe learning about Gen Z along the way. Every month, other fierce and lovely moms are gathering to build deeper connection with their daughters around issues they're facing. From there, we explore our girls' glory and our own story. But we start with a pressing topic. In that, I get to interview experts, and I'll be sharing snippets of those conversations here on this podcast and then diving deeper with my own girls, Ella and Sophie. This week, we're talking about the personality types and and the Enneagram and its relevance to the mother-daughter relationship with Enneagram trainer, author, spiritual director, anti-human trafficking leader, and pastor Claire Lowridge. Claire was also on the podcast in episode 27, so you can hear more from her there. And I just have to ask, why does knowing your child's Enneagram number even matter? I love how Claire says, where our attention goes, our energy will follow. Here's more from my interview with Claire. What do you notice when you came in the, what did you notice when you came in the room this morning? Some people will say, oh, I noticed the way this furniture was set up. And, you know, and and I was gonna decide where to sit and I was definitely gonna sit uh, where I could see everything in the back and maybe close to the exit. That's interesting. So I say, oh, so it seems like the IQ is in the lead when they come into a room, like they're taking in the information, they're looking at what's safe, both for themselves, right? Can I get out of here? Where can I be where I can take in and observe the room? Other people say, oh, I noticed that person right over there and they look so interesting or so fun or, oh my gosh, I just want to connect with them. I want to know what they want to, you know, I want to know them, right? So I say, oh, So maybe a heart person, maybe a person that wants to connect. Um, And then, you know, a gut person, they come into the room and they're like, um, how am I? Right? How am I? How am I now? How am I now with what's happening in here? Because I feel instinctually like good, bad, right, wrong, right? Uh, uh, You know, just or unjust, they're taking it in through this filter of body instincts. The hair on the back of my neck just went, you know, my stomach just flipped when I came in this morning, right? And so so you can see that, um, so there are three types within each of those instincts. Your intellectual, 
uh, types, your emotional types or your heart affection types and your gut instinct types. Mm -hmm. And so there are three types within each of those three instincts. And, you know, I never walk into the room and look for the exit. I am always looking for people. I'm a heart type, right? Mm -hmm. And that's just, that is my, that is my, you know, that is my MO. It's my automatic response. Now, does that mean I don't have an IQ and I don't have gut instincts? No, but one comes online first. Mm. So getting to know that, and then there are kind of three different ways for each of those instincts to take in either, you know, the, the intellect, the heart affections, or the gut instincts. And so you can just keep dropping the plow. So I would ask questions like, what, what was the first thing you noticed when we came in today? Mm. Right? Mm-hmm. and let them tell the story. And then you'll notice what's coming online. Is it thinking? Am I safe and secure? Is it feeling? Do we have connection and approval and affection here? Or who's got the power and control in the room? And do I have any power and control in the room? Mm-hmm. So yeah, little hints. Fascinating. That is fascinating. And that's so concrete. That's really helpful, actually, because those are, that's, that's kind of the new lens, the framework that I think would be helpful for us to begin to, to study our kids um, and ourselves. Like mm-hmm. I'm thinking through how would I, how would I feel walking into a room? So there's a lot of moms who Enneagram might be brand new to them and they don't know their type yet at all. Um, so this might feel a little obscure right now, but let's just we'll just let those moms go and learn a little bit more um, and come back. And I would love for them, for you to help, help explain how this would really help a parenting relationship. Mm. Like when I know I'm an Enneagram one and my oldest daughter is a three and we're working on college applications and scholarship essays right now. And she's performing really well. And it's, it's a delight to my perfection, mostly, except that when she wants approval for every single one of those essays, and I immediately see all the errors, <laughs> we're having, you know, I'm like, I can see how helpful it is for me to interact with her, understanding what's at work for her as an Enneagram three and what's going on for me as an Enneagram one, just as an example. But can you kind of further develop that and, and talk a little bit more about, yeah, like how this would really help a mother daughter relationship? Oh my goodness. Yes. Because um, you know, the best thing we can bring to our parenting is our own attentive aware selves, right? If we are practicing self-awareness Um, what we realize is where our attention goes, our energy will follow. So if I'm doing my own good soul work, then when I show up for my daughter, Sarah, who's 39, um, and, you know, and she's a mom of, you know, two boys and uh, a tween and a teen. And when I show up and I'm paying attention to my own um, need to image manage as a three, like make sure that it's all going to be all right. Like everything's going to look good. Everything is going to be, you know, right. So um, when I'm aware of that and that she's a two and that her dynamics are that she wants to help 
everybody. And that if she is not self-aware, she's not, she doesn't have good boundaries and she's not practicing self-care for herself. So, you know, our two false self images could just collide. You, I love what you did. Just this collision. If I'm aware of my awareness, I can bring intention to that attention. Hmm. And I can say, okay, Claire, take a step back. You don't need to make this look good. You don't need to make this, you, you, don't, you don't need to manage this. You don't need to make this uh, be successful. You need to take a breath, pay attention to your own frenetic quality right now and breathe. Hmm. And then come and be curious. And ask questions like, what's it like to be you right now, honey? Tell me about that. And not assume that I know just because I know she's a two, because that, that's unhelpful for me to do as well, right? So I can say, I know you're a two, you have no good boundaries right now, yes. and you need, to, you need to practice self-care, you need to go get your toenails done, and then go, you know, whatever. Not that I think toenails are the answer, but if you know a two, you know that twos, they aren't naturally taking care of themselves, but they are taking care of everybody else. Mm -hmm. But if I go in and I say, what's it like to be you right now? I totally lower my own RPMs, my own desire to go in and make it work. And I let her open up to what her truth is. And it might take a while for her to even say what it's like to be her right now. She might be able to tell me what it's like to be her, you know, her 15-year-old right now. She might be able to tell me what it's like to be her 10-year-old right now. But she, she might need a few minutes to see her own soul's condition. And if I asked an open-ended question like that, then I can begin, you know, I can be curious. I can listen. And then if I let go of my need to fix, advise, all of those kind of dynamics that just come inherently in mothers, not just ones, right? But that, you know, I, I don't need to reform her. I don't need to fix her as a one. I don't need to make it good, make it right. I don't need to get my red pen out. But I just want to, with a non-judgmental presence, say, what is it like to be you right now? Mm -hmm. And give her the time to answer that. And for a three, it's going to take her a minute as well because she is so externally focused that to know her own inner terrain is gonna take a minute. Okay, first thoughts, first impression? I think that she had a lot of really great things to say. And I think that she gave that one really great example of the room because it's applicable to literally every single person. Yeah, Everybody can answer that question and be able to um, figure out like the reason behind what you're thinking. Well, I like, as you begin to be curious about what your Enneagram number is, thinking about it more in terms of three centers, the gut, the head, and the heart, and what is the kind of the core energy that you're bringing, you know, into that example, into that room. And maybe you don't know your actual number yet, but you have a sense of how you see the world. Yeah. I also thought it was cool how she was talking about where your attention goes. That's also where your energy goes. So to know what your daughter's 
triad is you can put your attention there and you can put your energy there and you can grow your relationship with your daughter because you understand her more. Mm -hmm. So let's talk a little bit about that. Like just Enneagram aside, we don't have time to dive into the Enneagram. And I've actually interviewed Claire in the past, and we've kind of talked more about what the Enneagram is. And most of our listeners are going to know already what the Enneagram is and what their number is. I think what is unique about that conversation is how is it helpful in parenting? How is it helpful in our relationship to understand what our number is and what is at work in some of our dynamics? So Ella, she was, we were talking in that conversation about you and I interacting over college essays and how important it was for me to, to recognize I was bringing my Enneagram one <laughs> into those essays that you are bringing your Enneagram three into what you wanted from me in those essays. That was just helpful frame of reference. Um, share with our listeners what an experience we just had where it was really helpful for you to remind yourself <laughs> that you were a one. Yeah. So ones um, are kind of perfectionists or they want, they, they see something and they want what they see to be, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it well. They they see something and they want that thing to be perfect or the way that they imagined it at first. So we were going into like a big Starbucks roastery in the middle of Chicago and everything, every drink was like five more dollars than it should have been. And I was like, great, it's five more dollars than it should normally be, but it's kind of going to be a fun day because we're working on my essays. It's kind of fun for me, right? And mom had a little panic attack <laughs> and oh there's so much going on right now and why is everything so expensive and talking and talking and talking and freaking out a little bit internally and I just had to remind myself and I said to mom mom it's gonna be okay and, I, and it doesn't have to be perfect. And <laughs> to be fair, that place was crazy. And it was not just the price that was overwhelming me. It was the confusion of why are there five floors that are all apparently doing something different for your coffee experience, <laughs> but they're selling the same thing on every floor. I don't know where to go. I don't know how to interact with this place. It was yep. completely out of my comfort zone. I was totally chill, but I had to remind myself that that mom was a one and that she saw things differently than I did. I just, I love Claire's, um, words of wisdom to, to, to pause, um, to, to be curious, um, to actually wonder what is it like to be you right now? <laughs> what's, so for you to even kind of pause and, and be like, what's it like in her body right now? Like what is firing on all cylinders for her to be responding in this hopefully uncharacteristic way? <laughs> I'm curious, I just briefly described that that place. If you were to enter into that place, like Ella, when we entered into the Starbucks Reserve Roastery, mm -hmm. five floors of craziness mm -hmm. in Chicago, what did you immediately see and think and feel? I thought of the rooftop and how fast I wanted to get up there with my coffee so that we could start working on essays. <laughs> <laughs> um, so more the, ex the experience that you wanted to have. Mm -hmm. That you said you were looking forward to how fun 
it would be for you and I to work together. Yes. Like, <laughs> so I hear in that you were looking forward to the connection that we were going to build. Yeah. Performing I, well. I could have cared less about the coffee. It was about the interaction that we were about to have. Right. Right. Because you are an Enneagram three and that would be in the heart center. And so you come into that room and you're looking for where is there going to be connection? Mm-hmm. Sophie, what about you? How would you have entered into that place? Like what would maybe you have been seeing first and foremost? Well, I love coffee, so I would have seen the coffee first (laughs) because we're entering a coffee shop. I'm going to get coffee and I'm going to get the best kind of coffee that I'm going to enjoy most. But also, I am not the type of person to spend hours and hours on an essay while in Chicago in a coffee shop. (laughs) So that would not have been my first choice for coffee because it's so expensive and I wouldn't want to stay in it for five hours. So I probably would have wanted to go to a different one to get just as good as coffee for cheaper and then leave and actually explore the city and enjoy the city. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, because we've kind of determined that you're in the head head center. Right. And so that's what you would have been thinking and analyzing. Um, And I love how she said for the gut, like a gut person would walk into a room and be thinking, how do I bring power and control or who has the power and control in this room? I think that was part of the problem (laughs) is that I didn't feel power in that place. And I just felt out of control because I was confused. It was not the Starbucks I knew. (laughs) And so it just threw me off. Um, I love, I love that. And I, I love just how for us that language of Enneagram has, has really been helpful in our relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Whenever we ever have mental breakdowns (laughs) or we're trying to think through a problem, having mom, like you, you approach us kind of knowing where we're coming from, but very open to hearing where we're coming from. Um, and having a lot of grace because you know that we see the world through a different lens. Mm-hmm. Like being able to know where your daughter is coming from is so helpful. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it does provide a lot more grace. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that there's lots of personality tools out there. And um, this is a tool as well. It, it might be an ancient one mm-hmm. and it has a lot of different layers and people have different opinions about it. But it's it's for us, it's been a beautiful thing. To, to better learn ourselves and our interactions and, and get at that deeper connection that we all long for. Thanks for listening to the Fierce and Lovely podcast. You can find more great resources on raising teen girls in 2020 at www.fierceandlovely.org. And if you're feeling overwhelmed, lonely, or stuck, well, every month a community of women is coming together online to become more intentional mothers to teen girls and to develop the connection they deeply long for. We call it the Fierce and Lovely Moms Membership Community, and you can learn all about it at fierceandlovely.org. So this really cool YouTuber, uh, Enneagram with Abby, she talks about different Enneagram types that correlate with social media. Um, I highly recommend looking it up. I'll just give you the quick scoop. Um, She says that nines are very similar to YouTube, eight with Twitter, seven with TikTok, six with LinkedIn, five with Reddit, four with MySpace, three with Instagram, two with Facebook, and one with Pinterest. If you agree or disagree, I would highly recommend looking at her reasoning behind it.